Grab your Bible and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and uh, John chapter 14. 2 Corinthians 13 and John chapter 14. And I'm beginning a new series um, this weekend that I'm calling Friend Request. Friend Request. And so if you're used to social media and you understand what this sign means, that you have someone who has requested to be your friend, and you've got to choose whether you're going to accept or decline. And so that you would have a context as to exactly what I would be talking about in a series called Friend Request, I gave it a tagline, Friending the Holy Spirit. Friending the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to take the next few weeks, and I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, something I love about our church is that we have so many different people from so many different backgrounds and different denominational affiliations and some people that have like never been in a church before and this is the first church that they've ever been in and those people I love because I don't have to deprogram them. And so, <laughs> and so but, but I love our church for that. But um, also with that, there's tons of different backgrounds. And I don't know when, when I say the Holy Spirit... Um, it's interesting because it, it should have never really been a big controversy or anything like that, but it's almost like there are certain topics in, in the Bible and in church that when you talk about, um, you know, it, it kind of gets some mixed responses and some mixed emotions. And sometimes there are some things about the Holy Spirit that seem to, to, to kind of draw on some people's misunderstanding or their misconceptions or even things that they were taught or things that they've seen. And, and sometimes people are just on different pages when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I want you to understand that, that he's, he's, he's your friend. And I kind of want to take a few weeks and introduce you to him and tell you some things about him. And, and I don't know which side you were raised on. See, I was raised on more of the Pentecostal side. And for some of you, that just scared you to death right there because you're like, my God, he was a Pentecostal and now he's preaching on the Holy Spirit and he's going to start huffing and making sounds and an organ's going to come out of the background and just relax. It's going to be okay. Um, but I was raised and some people are like, oh, Pentecostal, that almost sounds intimidating or, or scary. Do you understand what the word means, right? It means 50. That's all it means. It doesn't mean crazy church. It just means 50. It doesn't mean snakes and tambourines. It just means 50. And the reason why, because uh, Pentecost was one of the feasts that God told Israel to keep. And it goes all the way back to Mount Sinai. And the feast of Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. And that's all it means. <laughs> So you don't have to be weirded out. But maybe you're on the other side, and maybe you went to a church where people said things like, now stay away from those people who talk about the Holy Ghost. Right? Because you get involved with the Holy Ghost, you either got to wear too much makeup or not enough. <laughs> and so maybe you were in one of those Churches where they're like, now stay away from the people that, you know, in our churches, like, watch out for those people that call him Holy Spirit and not Holy Ghost. But maybe you were on the other side, like, watch out for anybody that talks about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or anything like that. And, and so maybe you're sitting here like, I don't know. And, and then, you know, I, I want to tell you that he, he's your friend. And, and I want to almost say this because sometimes, and I think sometimes he's your friend and he's not weird. There are weird people that are friends with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he's not weird. <laughs> Does that make sense? He, he's not weird. I remember growing up thinking, man, the, the Holy Spirit knows how to wreck a church service because everything, we, like we would not have a plan and we would say it's because we're going to let the Spirit move. And I'm like, man, he never knows what he wants to do. He's an all-knowing God who never knows what he wants to do. And, and then every evangelist we had at our church would get behind the pulpit and he'd say, I had a good message. I was, now, listen, I had a good message I was going to preach to you, but the Holy Spirit's changed my mind. And then he'd preach the worst message I'd ever heard for an hour. It just wouldn't end. And, we didn't under, and I'm like, why didn't the Holy Spirit like us? Because he could have preached the good message. And the Holy Spirit made him preach the one we can't understand what he's talking about. And so I just want to say that if you've had some of those experiences and they're kind of fun to laugh at, I, I just want you to kind of lay aside your inhibitions and, and I'd really love for you just to give me a kind of a blank page. And, and let's, just, let's just look at him together and let's allow him to be him and, and not try to put him you know, in a, in a certain box or in a certain genre of church styles or in certain behaviors or certain activities or actions. But, but let's just look at him and let's think about the fact that he is, he's, he is our friend. And so, um, in second Corinthians, uh, chapter 13, Paul, um, is concluding what would really be his third letter to the Corinthian church. Uh, the first one was not canonized. We don't have it in scripture. Um, but this, what we know is first Corinthians is actually his second letter to the Corinthian church. And you can tell that by looking at the writing and the dialogue that's already in place. Um, and then, and then, so we have second Corinthians, which is his third letter. So he's in this last letter that we're going to know about. Um, and he gets to the end and he leaves kind of this benedictory statement, if you will. And I want to look at that because to me, it's so important. I mean, in other words, Paul's been talking to the Corinthian church and he basically comes out and says, I want to leave you with this. Like if you don't get anything else, try to understand this. If nothing else made sense, try to get like, this is important. I want this to stick in your hearts. I want this to stick in your minds. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I use the message translation. I don't always use the message translation. It's a dynamic equivalency instead of an exact equivalency. So like your King James, your New American Standard, those are more exact equivalencies. Your New Loon translation uh, message are more dynamic. In other words, they go thought for thought instead of word for word. But, but I love how Eugene Patterson interpreted this because I can just see the passion behind it as Paul is concluding um, this letter to the Corinthian church. And he says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think Paul, you know, is father in this church and he's talking to this church and he's saying, hey guys, I really want you to be who God has called you to be. I really want you to do what God has called you. God has this plan for you. He has this plan for the church, plan for you as individuals. He's got a calling on your lives. God is working in you. God is working through you. And here's what he's saying. But listen, stick with this. Like you need to understand this. If you're going to get where God wants you to be or do what God's called you to do, if you're going to live the life God created you for, like here are three pillars that you build that life on. These are three things you have to have. You, you have to understand the grace of Jesus Christ. You have to understand that the relationship you have with God is based on Jesus and not on you, and you enter into it by faith, and it's not based on your performance because Jesus' performance was good enough for us all. You have to understand the, the grace of Jesus, and you have to understand the extravagant love of God the Father. But then he says this, but you have to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
Like, here's how you win. Here's how you be successful. Here's how you walk into your destiny. You've got to know grace, the grace of Jesus. You've got to understand the love of God. And you've got to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if I had a prayer for you today, it would be that. Most of what I teach is this. You have to understand grace. You've got to understand. You've got to be rooted in the love of God. But you've got to have, listen for me very, listen, You cannot live the life that God has created you for without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely impossible. It is impossible to live the life that God has created and redeemed you to live without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So today, I just kind of want to introduce you. My goal today is to kind of introduce you to a friend, get you kind of comfortable with him, help you understand a few things about him. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But the first thing that I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is this, that he is God. That he is God. We, we believe in a triune God. In other words, we believe that God exists, and we'll say it this way, he is one God in three persons, or you could say one God in three functions, that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid in some churches that kind of, whether it's said or not, turns into there's God the Father, God the Son, and that other guy we don't want to talk about a whole lot because we don't want him to get loose. <laughs> this is kind of what we're thinking, isn't it? And so I need you to understand that he is God. We believe in a triune Godhead. In other words, God exists in three, one in three. Let me give you some verses where you see them all three together. John 14, 16, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So here Jesus is saying, Jesus is talking. He's saying, I'll ask the Father and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. So all all three, John 15, 26, but I will send you the advocate. This is Jesus talking again. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. I'll send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify about me. There's all three again. Luke 3, 22, it says the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. That's Jesus. By the way, please notice that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. It wasn't a dove that descended like the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we get the emphasis on the wrong thing, and the emphasis here is on the Holy Spirit, not on the bird. Okay, so the Holy Spirit descended. So here's Jesus being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends on him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You're my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So here's Jesus being baptized. The Holy Spirit is descending, and God is speaking. In the Great Commission that all churches say we're participating in, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. And he says, and then baptize them, same way we do it here at Pathway, baptize them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In Acts 5 verse 3, uh, it says, Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to, watch this, lie to the Holy Spirit? And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not yours to control? Watch this. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Do you see? He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he said, you haven't lied to men. You've lied to God. Do you understand that, that he is God? And, and I understand that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so they, they each kind of have a different title. But the title speaks to function, but they're all God. For instance, uh, if you want an easy way to understand it, I'll give you this way. God is 
Jesus reveals, the Holy Spirit expresses. So for instance, the Bible says God is love. Jesus revealed love. No greater love has this than any man that he might lay down his life for his friends. So God is love. Jesus revealed love, but the Holy Spirit expresses love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God is, Jesus displays or reveals and the Holy Spirit expresses to us. So, so they have different functions, but they're all God. So here's what I'm saying. If you, if you grew up in, in one of those churches, and if you did, this is not condemning, but I'm just saying if someone's ever told you and said, hey, watch out for those churches that preach about the Holy Spirit. Watch out for those churches that talk about the Holy Spirit. Do you know what they were saying? Watch out for those churches who preach about God. Watch out for those churches where those people talk about God. Because he is God. Here's the second thing. He is God, but he is a person. He is a person. What does it mean to be a person? Well, you have a personality, right? Now, I know you've probably met some people that that's up for debate. <laughs> Don't elbow anybody, but I'm just saying. But, but a person has a personality, and that personality comes from their soul. It comes from their mind and their will and their emotions. Just like we have a triune God, we're triune beings, body, soul, and spirit. And we have a soul, and it's our mind and our will and our emotions. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God has a soul. In fact, God the Father has a soul, and we can see that in Matthew 12, 18. It says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. That's God talking. And then we know Jesus had a soul, and that one's easier because he actually put on flesh and lived on this earth. But Matthew 26, 38, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me or pray with me. But then also Hebrews 10 is talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is drawing people. And so Hebrews 10, 38 says this, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back my soul, this is the Holy Spirit, my soul has no pleasure in him. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about this. He's a person. Um, he has a soul. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. In fact, we can see this in Scripture. In um, Romans chapter 8, verse 27, it talks about how the Father searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? So he knows the mind of the Spirit. Um, in Acts 16, um, Luke records these words that the Holy Spirit forbid them to go to Asia and preach. Well, what is that? That's an act of your will. He forbid them. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, but the Holy Spirit has a will. He wouldn't let them go somewhere. And then um, in Ephesians chapter four, Paul writes these words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grief's an emotion. And so the Holy Spirit has a soul. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. Now, now, why am I telling you all this? Because if you think he's a person, you can relate to him personally. But if you think he's a force or a power or something weird that happens, then you can't have a relationship with him. You can't relate to a power or a force or something superstitious or some kind of sensationalism. You can't relate to those things, but you can relate to a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person with a mind, with a will and emotions. In fact, he knows the mind of God. He feels the feelings of God. He knows the will of God. And I think the Holy Spirit, when it comes to us, could it be that God has given us a friend who knows his mind, who knows his will, and who knows his feelings and his emotions so that this friend can reveal our Father to us and we get scared or, or we have a bad experience 
experience and we're like, I'm not sure about that. And we lose really getting to know God at all. And so he's, he's a person. In fact, in John 14, uh, we've read bits and pieces. We'll read some more. But it says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but he will test. It calls him a he, not an it. I, I think that... Um, I think that when, when the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit came back to the church, it, it scared Satan. Here's why. Because in Acts 1, when the person and the gift of the Holy Spirit came to the New Testament church, it took just a few people a few years to turn the whole world upside down. And they didn't have Twitter. <laughs> And they didn't have an airplane or a train or a car. They didn't have radio. They didn't have television. But yet, just this group of believers, when empowered by the person and the gift of the Holy Spirit, they absolutely, in fact, the Bible talks about that. These are those that have turned the world upside down. And that's in the book of Acts. So, I mean, it didn't even take them long. And so I think, and we'll talk about this later, but in the early 1900s at Azusa Street, when the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit came back to the church, I think it freaked all of hell out. So they decided this, we'll, we'll help the church make him a doctrine. And so now we have all these doctrines about who the Holy Spirit is and what he can be. Right? And we have this belief system and this doctrine and this idea, and we get divided on the issues. And we use the Bible to try to put the Holy Spirit in a box and, and get Him in a box that makes us feel comfortable. And I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit's in the corner of our church or in the corner of our house or in the backseat of our car saying, Hey, yo, I could help with this. And he thought, I'll divide the church and I'll make the Holy Spirit something they can't understand and I'll make it something they're divided on and whether or not he speaks in tongues or he doesn't speak in tongues or whether he does this or he doesn't do this. And I mean, those two words you can say to freak out any church, tithe and tongues. <laughs> and, and we've got all these, you know, when I think the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit, the, all the words written were inspired, they were the breath of God, they were the Holy Spirit. And I think when the Holy Spirit was breathing the words that would become our Bible, I don't think he had any idea, or maybe he did, but I don't think he really understood that, that then his people would use the words he breathed to dissect him and to imprison him, to categorize him and denominationalize him. And put him in a box. Can I tell you something that if the Holy Spirit, if you've got the Holy Spirit in a box so that you can be comfortable, let me help you with something. He's not in the box. You're just carrying an empty box for your own comfort. I, you know, when, when I started in ministry, I used to, to you, know, read, you know, read the book of Acts. Have you ever read the book of Acts? It will freak you out, man. There's some freaky stuff going on in the book of Acts. And I'd read the book of Acts, and, 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 and then I'd go to church. And then I'd go home and read the book of Acts. By the way, I still do this. And then I'd go to church. And I'd say, one of these things is not like the other. 
one of these things. You remember Sesame Street? <laughs> and, and in my heart, I say, God, I want to see church the way the book of Acts did church. And, and here's what I think the problem may be, one of them anyway, is that, is that we have focused more on what the disciples did not have, Scripture, than we have on what they did have, a friendship with the Holy Spirit. And we focused more on the words of the page, which were breathed by the Spirit, than we focused on how those words got there. And before you think, oh no, he's against the Bible, I've probably got 20 verses just in this one message. I, I, I'm very much for the Bible. In fact, uh, I, my grandfather, um, he was a preacher, he was a pastor for about 900 years. And um, he had a saying, I can still see him saying, I can still remember him saying, he said it all the time, but he would say, all word and no spirit and you'll dry up, all spirit and no word and you'll blow up, but if you'll get the word with the spirit, you can grow up. I still hear him saying, and to me, I'm, that's, that's what it takes. Like without the Bible, we are lost. Without the word of God, we're we in trouble. Like God has given it to us. But now that we have the Bible, let's not forget how we got it. That a spirit, the spirit of God breathed it. That the living force of God walked with the disciples. I, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that the night that Julie and I got married, that after we got married and after we had... For us, we had a luau, but because we were in Hawaii, but suffering for Jesus. Anyways, but I, you know, <laughs> somebody say Honolulu. Oh, I want to go there. Anyways, um, <laughs> but I'm so glad that after the luau and we had just gotten married, that when we got back to the hotel, Julie didn't hand me a book and say, here you go. Here's a book all about me. I'll see you later. Wait a minute. But I think sometimes that's what we've done with God. Oh, I've got a book. <laughs> Tells me all about him. Like, that wouldn't have made much sense, would it be like to get back to the hotel or for me to look at Julie and say, hey, honey, I, I know we're married and that's awesome and I want to really know you. How about, how about you write a book and give me the book about you and I'll see you sometime later. It just doesn't make sense. But I think sometimes that's the way. That's the way the Holy Spirit's kind of been treated. Like we got the book now. And he's saying, yeah, you have a cover that has my breath in it. And wouldn't it be cool, not only if you had the breath, but you had a relationship with the person who breathed? So he, he is God and he's a person. And here's the last thing I want to tell you is that he is present. It's a pretty simple message. He's God. He's a person. He's with you. He's God. He's a person. He's with you. This week, whether you ever acknowledged him or not, he was with you because he's given an assignment. In fact, we can see it in John 14, 16, where Jesus says, and I'll ask the father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. 
He has been assigned to you and he can't leave. He also can't leave you alone, which is a good thing. But he can't leave you. He, he, is, he is with you and he is present. And, and you know, when, I think when, when, when you're trying to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and trying to introduce people to the Holy Spirit, I think one of the hurdles that you have to first come overcome is, is his name because his name is more like a title than a name. And I get that. Like the Holy Spirit, unless you went to a different church, the Holy Ghost. I don't know why, but every October we'd preach against people that believed in ghosts and then tell everybody that they should have a relationship with a ghost. I, I don't know. It's very confusing. But, but, but I understand that, you know, and I've often thought, God, you know, maybe, maybe you could have given him a different name. And, and I know he was from the very beginning, but still, like, maybe he could have been Bill. Because then if you've got a really formal, traditional church, they could call him William. <laughs> and, and if you have a church more like ours, we could call him Bill. But if you had a church like some I've been to, they could call him Wild Billy. It, it would work no matter what. Well, Wild Billy's loose. You know, so it, it could work that way. But I understand that, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit, and that doesn't always sound like a name to us, but you have to understand that, that the Bible translators were doing the best that they could because the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written really mostly in two languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was mostly written in Greek. And, and when you see the, the Holy Spirit in the Bible or, or the Spirit of God, it's, it's in the Bible over 800 times. And in the Old Testament, the, the original Hebrew word that is translated or interpreted, rather, um, the Holy Spirit is actually a Hebrew word, ruach. And if you really want to say it in Hebrew, you, you got to make the sound like you ate some popcorn and didn't have enough soda and the popcorn got stuck. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, but it's ruach. And, and by the way, that word... Interestingly enough, that word really, when you boil it down, it means breath or wind. I mean, it's exhalation, gust of breath, you know, gust of wind. I mean, it's breath or wind. And then you go, and in fact, um, in Genesis chapter one, uh, and by the way, God, the father, God, the son, they, and the Holy spirit were all there. Genesis chapter one, because God is speaking. Jesus is the agent of creation. Everything was made to, uh, through him, by him and for him, Right. Uh, according to Hebrews. And then, and then the Bible says, and that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. It says the earth was out foreign void and darkness with those faiths of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the, the, the water. And that word is ruach. It's actually saying the wind, the breath. And so the Bible interpreters, I think they looked at that and said, how do we want to make this work? And I think in the King James Version to them, ghost was the best they could get to. And now a lot of people translate that spirit. And in fact, if you go to the New Testament, to the Greek, the, the word that's translated Holy Spirit or Spirit of God is pneuma. Ironically, it means the same thing. It's wind, it's breath. It's a gust of wind, violent force of wind or a violent exhalation. It's, it's breath, it's wind. And so, I, so you got to understand there was a little bit of challenge trying to get this into English for us. But, and it almost makes it like, well, how do I... How do I understand that? Well, let me help you because I thought I'm trying to introduce you to him and, and now we're breaking his name back down to the original language and it's more talking about when and I thought I want you to know the nature of him. I want you to know some things about him and I thought what if I just use wind? So let me tell you four things about wind. 
Four things about the Holy Spirit, just using the analogy, the illustration of wind, the breath of God, the wind of God. Uh, here's, the, here's the first one is that wind is not seen. <laughs> wind, wind isn't seen. And, and, you know, I think for a lot of people, they have a hard time wrapping their brain around something they can't actually see. They can't actually take it in. They can't actually, you know, understand it, if you will. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who was an atheist one time, and he said, I just can't understand this God thing. And I said, you know, if I had a God that I could understand, I don't think he'd be worth worshiping. Kind of the idea is that he's infinite and I'm finite. And so if I'm really going to have a God, it would be good for me to have a God I don't completely understand, that I can't completely wrap my mind around because I'm working with less than what he has. And I've got to be okay with that. And so you can't really see wind, but here's the thing, you can feel it. Right? Have you ever walked out on a beach and felt the wind off the ocean? You can't really see it, but you can feel it. And, and let me say this, because some people say, well, you shouldn't live by your feelings. I agree with that. You shouldn't live by your feelings, but it is good to feel what you're living. And yeah, our relationship with God is not based on our feelings. It's based on truth. Faith always has to be based on truth. But it is good when I get to feel him. Like hopefully at some point this weekend in this service, there's, there has been or will be some point in this service where, where maybe your eyes are shut or, or maybe you're sitting here and all of a sudden you kind of feel the wind come by and you think, ooh, I felt him. Like God's here. Like for, for me, we were in worship a moment ago. I'm just standing there worshiping. I'm like, oh, there he is. Oh, he's here. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad that, that I can feel him. I may not be able to see him, but, but, but I can feel him. In fact, in John, think about this. In John 14 through 16, that's chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, all those chapters are at um, what we call the Last Supper. It's the last discussion that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. Do you know what topic dominates that discussion? The Holy Spirit. In fact, at one part, he says, I have a lot more to say to you, but I can't really say it right now, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you with it. Think about that. Because if I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm probably going to miss some things Jesus wanted me to have. John 14, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. We read that. But verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth. Now watch this. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive. Now, why can't they receive? In other words, people, some people, just they're just not going to get it unbelievers, are, it's not going to make sense. Just like my friend, it doesn't make sense to him. And so he can't receive it. Why? Because he can't see him. It doesn't make sense to him. But, and he doesn't know him. But I love this part. You know him. <laughs> I can't see him, but I can know him. Just like I can't see the wind, but I can feel it. Now, by the way, if you're one of those people that you were taught or maybe told, watch out for the Holy Spirit, keep your distance from the Holy Spirit, or keep your distance from the people that talk about the Holy Spirit, I'd like to read the rest of this verse for you because you have a problem. It says that you know him, talking about the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Because if you're a believer and you're a little concerned. We'll use the word concerned about the Holy Spirit. I've got some good news slash bad news, depending on how you take it. 
Wild Billy's in you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's the thing. Wind, wind isn't seen, but, but you can... You can't feel it. You, you don't see the Holy Spirit, but you can know him. I love this because you can know him. Listen, I've never, never really seen him, but I've seen him work. I've never really seen him, but I've heard him speak. I've never really seen him, but I've felt his touch. He's unseen, but I, I can still know him. So, so wind's unseen. Here, here's the next thing, and this is the one people really struggle with. Wind is unpredictable. Um, I, I have a pilot's license. I don't really fly anymore, but I have a license and went through all the training. And, and uh, when, you're, when you're landing or, or taking off, it's very important that you land or take off into the wind. You want the wind blowing against you. And that has to do with air speeds and lift and all that kind of stuff. But So when you're flying into land, they'll have an update. Usually most airports have a computer-generated update that you can tune in and listen to, and it tells you where the wind is. And then you need that so you know which runway you're using. But even though they have those updates, every airport has what they call a wind sock. Because those updates most of the time are put out every, about every hour. And if you're flying in and you've got an update that's 45 minutes old, you want to verify that information with that big orange wind sock on the field. Because here's what we all know about wind. It can change. It's a little unpredictable. It can be blowing this way and then start blowing that way. It can be moving this way and start moving that way. And can I tell you, this is the thing with God that, that some people struggle with because God is not always predictable. And God is, it's not that God is unpredictable because God doesn't know what he's trying to do or that God's wishy-washy or unsure of himself. He's unpredictable because we're not always tuned into what he's doing. God is very certain about what he's doing. God is very confident about what he's doing, but, but there are times we're not tuning in. Like, for instance, maybe you have a day, and this happened to me many times, where all of a sudden, in a very what should have been routine day, I end up in a conversation or in a place that I never anticipated to go when I really think about it, it's kind of weird that I'm there. And what I always think is, oh, I wonder what God's doing. Like, this wasn't really planned. wasn't on my schedule. I wasn't planning to do this. wasn't planning to be here. Now I've run into this person. Maybe I should listen. So he is unpredictable, but it's, it's not because he doesn't know what he's trying to do. It's because we don't always know which way he's moving. And here's the thing. God doesn't, God doesn't always, we, we need to get comfortable with this. How many know you don't need a comforter unless you're uncomfortable? And the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. And if I'm going to be comforted, I need to be okay being uncomfortable for a while. Because God doesn't always, he doesn't always move the same way. He doesn't always do things the same way. God is, God is not a formula. Watch this. John um, 3 verse 8 says, The wind, by the way, that word is pneuma. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. Watch this. But you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I just felt like that should have been there. <laughs> he probably wrote that. Look, it says the, the wind, Numa, the spirit blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. Watch this. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, if I really have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be some things about my life that aren't routine. There's going to be things about my life that seem maybe to some a little unpredictable. 
that he's going to lead me in some areas that I may not even know how he's leading me or where he's leading me to. I just sense his direction. I feel the wind and, and I know that I need to move and I don't know exactly where we're going, but we have a relationship with, with him. Do, do you understand that, that God just, he's just, he doesn't, God is never going to be a formula that you're okay with. That, that that's just not the way that, that he, he, he works. I mean, God only spoke one time to one person through a burning bush, right? Moses, God speaks. Wouldn't it have been weird if Moses would have made a doctrine to hear from God, you got to find a bush on fire? Or the next time Moses needed a word from God, he's out in the wilderness lighting bushes on fire to see if they'll talk to him? <laughs> You know, in the New Testament, Jesus heals five blind men. Do you know he never healed any of them the same way? In fact, there's this cool story in Mark chapter 8 where this friend brings his blind friend to Jesus. And he actually tells Jesus, hey, put your hand on him. Touch him and heal him. Right? Just Jesus, you know, just like he did that other guy. Touch him and heal him. And I think here's what Jesus says. Oh, you think this is about the form. Like you think this is a formula for healing. And the next thing you know, Jesus is going. <laughs> and I think right about then, that man felt like, some of us have felt like when we brought our friends to one of those churches where Wild Billy was going to get loose. Like, oh no, not right now. No, Jesus. They're not ready for that, Lord. And if you're the blind man, think about how that felt. Like, here's your friend. Hey, I'm going to take you to Jesus. And he just touches blind people and they can see again. And you're standing there blind like, he's about to touch me. And then you hear that sound. Like, Hold up. What kind of church is this? But here's the thing. He's, he's not a formula. He's a person. He's a person. He's dynamic. He is a personality, and he moves different ways, and he speaks different things, and he doesn't always do. You know, um, in 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 the in the children of Israel when they were, were when they were in the the wilderness uh, for forty years, if you read, it would say that God led them as as a pillar or a cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night. So there's this pillar that's a cloud or a pillar that's fire, depending on whether it's day or night. And Lisa, if you read that, it would rest in one place, and they'd set up camp, and it had to be in the middle of camp with the ark and all that. And, and then it'd be like three days later, it would move again. They'd move with it, and then it would stop. But, but then it would just stop for like one day, and, and then it would move again. It might stop for four days. It's kind of interesting. There was no really routine to it. And most of the time, we think, well, the reason they were in the wilderness is God was letting a faithless generation die out. And that's true. That's half the equation. He was letting a faithless generation die out while trying to teach a new generation how to trust and follow him. And what he knew is, is if the cloud moves every morning at 10 a.m., then every morning at 10 a.m., everybody's going to be packed up and moving, whether he's moving or not. And so he wasn't trying to teach them a routine. He was trying to teach them the trust of following him, whether they understood or not. Um, you know, Moses, in the same way, the children of Israel got, got thirsty, and so they're gripping to Moses and and Moses is praying to God, and God says, hey, strike the rock, and water will come from the rock. And so he strikes the rock, water comes from the rock. Then the next time, fast forward, it happens again, and God says, hey, speak to the rock, and water will come out. And we know that Moses actually struck the rock. And God honored it. He brought water out of the rock, but because of that disobedience, he, he couldn't go into the promise. 
I was praying about this service and I just kept coming back to this. I wonder how many people who God has given you a promise of healing or blessing or provision or a promise in your family, in your marriage, in your vocation, in your business, whatever the case may be. And I wonder how many are not walking into that promise yet because you're still relying on your past experience more than your present relationship. And I'm comfortable with God moving this way. I understand that. It made sense to me. I've already seen that. And God's saying, I'm going to lead you into the promise, but I'm going to do it a different way. I'm not going to do it the same way. And so he's, he's a little unpredictable at, at times. Here's the, the fourth thing. Wind is powerful. Wind, wind is powerful. Acts 1, 8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, I don't know if you know this, but wind, it really is powerful, isn't it? I mean, I don't, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever, we had strong storms here and trees were down. Our neighbor's tree went across the road and part of our other neighbor's tree ended up in our pool. And I mean, it was, wind was powerful. I don't know if they still go to schools and teach you about tornadoes, but I remember growing up and they'd show a picture, you know, like here's, here's this piece of straw that went through this telephone pole. And you're like, whoa. Like, and, and here's this telephone pole that went all the way through this cow. Whoa! You know, and so I don't know if they still freak people out like that. But anyways, wind is powerful, but the Holy Spirit is also powerful. And if Jesus says, hey, this Holy Spirit, part of what he does is to give you power to do what I've called you to do, then here's what Jesus is saying. You cannot do what I've called you to do without him. Jesus doesn't give us things that we don't need. If he's telling, I've given you this promise, I'm providing this thing for you, it's because we're going to need it. And you know what would be sad? What would be sad is to step away from the power he's provided because I don't like the package it comes in. And I think because I've had a bad experience or because I went to a church and it was kind of freaky or whatever the case may be, I think it would be bad to step back from the power he's provided so that I can live the life he's called me to because I'm not real comfortable with the verbiage, the terminology, the package, the the people. Because here's the thing, what Jesus is saying is in this life, you're going to encounter things that your human strength is not going to be enough for. And you're going to need something more. And so I've already provided that. I've given you a promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power to do what I've called you to do. You'll receive power to do what I put you on this earth to do. But you're not going to be able to do that without him. It's a, it's a partnership. Wind, wind is powerful. I wonder how many people in this service are facing something right now in your life that your human strength and power and intellect and ability is probably not enough to, to overcome it. And if that's where you're at, I've got great news because you have a friend request on your dashboard of someone whose part of his function is to empower you to win. So it's powerful. And here's the last thing. And this is really what I called the message. I called the message, he's refreshing for a reason. Because I'm just telling you about a friend. And the last point is this, that wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. I, I, don't, I don't know about you if, if you've ever been like, you know, to the beach. We, we like the beach. But I, I remember, um, you know, going to the beach, going for a run and just being hot 
and just, you know, you're, you're perspiring. That sounds better, doesn't it? That's a good word. Women missed uh, <laughs> our glisten. Um, man, we sweat. <laughs> we stink. Anyways, as I just remember being hot and then just stepping out on the beach and that, that wind coming off the ocean and just like, oh, that's refreshing. And that feels good. Or, or maybe a hot summer day, maybe remember a hot summer day or a hot spring day when all of a sudden the front comes in and that first gust of wind kind of has a little bit of coolness to it and it's just refreshing. One of the other signs or symbols that we see of the Holy Spirit is the rain of the Holy Spirit. And I remember being a child and, you know, we grew up differently back then. You know, mom put us outside and we played all day. We played outside all day without electronic things outside all day. And we didn't have like Avion and all that. No, we had water hose. <laughs> and we drank out of the water hose and played outside. And I remember sometimes it'd be so hot and, and a little thunder shower would come up, you know, and it would just start raining. When you're a kid, you're not going inside. It's like, man, it's awesome. Somebody just turned on a big sprinkler. Like this is what we live for. And we would just play in the rain. It just refresh us, the rain. And, and that's that's who the Holy Spirit is as a person. He is refreshing. I don't know, maybe hopefully you have a friend and that friend is a refreshing person to you. And if you've had a bad day or you've gone through a hard season, you can pick up the phone and you can call them. And in 15 minutes, you're refreshed. You're refreshed by their positive outlook or you're refreshed by their friendship or you're refreshed by their encouragement. You have a friend who's refreshing and that's, that's who he is. In fact, um, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. You see that the Holy Spirit brings us some stuff that God wants us to have that we may not even understand or be able to see that he's refreshing us. In fact, Peter said it this way, that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. When you're talking about the presence of the Lord, you're usually talking about the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know you have a friend who wants to refresh you and better yet, you know, in, in good friendships, it's, you know, kind of supposed to be give and take. In other words, your friend encourages you and you encourage your friend. And sometimes you call your friend, you need something. Sometimes they call you and you need something. But can I tell you something with the Holy Spirit? He's your friend and he doesn't need anything. He's never going to call you and say, yeah, I had a bad day. I was trying to move into church and they totally shut me down. And some pastor across town preached about me and kept calling me a ghost. And I've been talking to these people all week and they still haven't listened to me. He's not going to have a bad day and call you and need you to encourage him. That's, that's not him. He's a friend that only wants to give. He only wants to counsel. He only wants to comfort. He only wants to, to refresh and encourage and build up. He only wants to guide. He only wants to lead. He's a friend who is a helper. He just wants to help, and he's refreshing. He comes to you to bring you the thoughts of God. He comes to you to bring you the feeling of God. He comes to you to bring you the will of God. He comes to you to help you understand things you don't understand, to see things that you can't see, and to lead you in ways that you don't know how to go. He's a friend that just wants to encourage and just wants to refresh you. He's not scary. He's not intimidating. He's not domineering. He's not trying to possess you or make you do anything. He's just a friend that comes from God to help you win in this life. He's your friend. And that's what Paul is saying to the 
the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church, he's saying, hey, you, you, need, you need to know the grace of Jesus and you need to know the love of God, but you need an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm telling you in this series. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to answer probably a lot of different questions. But you need, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if you're going to live the life that God has called you to, you need an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Will you stand with me? And I want to pray for you. And I just feel like God, it kind of the way that I want to end this is just kind of an introduction and maybe you're here and you're kind of like me. One of the blessings of being raised in the church that I was raised in was that there's nothing to me scary about the Holy Spirit because I was raised, brother, I've seen it all. <laughs> you know? and so, so I'm comfortable with him. And maybe you are, maybe you're not. But I just want everyone kind of to make a fresh introduction. I, I even did this in my own heart as I prepared for this message, like kind of go back like, Holy Spirit, I just want to know you in a fresh way, in a new way. Like, I, I don't want a, a stale relationship with you. I just want to renew my relationship with you as my friend who's guiding and helping me. And, and I want everyone, I just kind of want us, if you would, bow your heads, and I'm going to pray for us, and I want all of us to kind of make that, that kind of introduction with him, even if you feel very comfortable with him. But I would love everyone as our heads are bowed Maybe take a moment and say, you know, Holy Spirit, I, I, want, I want you. I want all of you. I, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And, and I just kind of want to introduce you to him. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that as we let go of our inhibitions and our concerns and maybe some of the stuff we've heard or even experienced, that, God, you would bring us back to just a fresh introduction, a renewed relationship with you. And God, we just have confidence in you. God, that you want to be known and you want to reveal yourself to us. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that, that you would reveal yourself to every person in this room. And God, that we would just be comfortable with you. And that we would see there's just, there's just nothing weird or intimidating or no sensationalism, no mysteriousness per se, but just you're God, you're a person and you're present and we acknowledge you and we, we want to know you. And God, I pray for every person in this room, God. God, I pray for a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. If you're comfortable, we just maybe put your hands in a receiving posture. I just want to pray for you before we leave. And God, I pray for every person in this room. In this room, God, I know there are people who are going through hard things. And I know there are people that are encountering difficulty. And I know there are people that feel alone and people that are fearful and people that are just, they feel dry. And maybe they feel, um, God, just a little lost today. Maybe they feel tired. But God, I ask now that the refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit would blow over every person, their souls. God, that you would refresh them today, refresh them in their calling, refresh them in their purpose, refresh them in their relationship with you, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and build them up, God, that you would console them and comfort them and counsel them, and God, that you would provide for them the leadership and the confidence that they need to have in you. God, that you would just refresh them even now, God, by your presence. We thank you for the gift 
of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give him one big praise? Make a little noise for him as we're leaving.